it's fine. Take your time. There's some seats up here. <laughs> Sydney, welcome to Sci-Fi and Science Comedy Debate. Look at you showing up. This is a lovely treat. So great to have you all here. Uh, who's been to a sci-fi before? Make some noise. Yes. Oh, so it's we have the most polite audiences. So I was asking if you've been before. I'm like, I can't actually see any of you. That's the it's a secret. Uh, for those who've not been before, uh, welcome to your very first and hopefully not only sci-fi at science comedy debate. Um, what this is for the the newly initiated uh, is we bring together scientists and comedians and make them debate very serious issues in a very silly way. So that's what to expect. My name is Alanta, and I'm your host and adjudicator for this evening. And tonight, we will poke at the very fabric of reality and ask, why is it sticky? We debate whether or not we are living in a simulation, or at least we will pretend to. Uh, simulation theory suggests that humans of the future will have massive computers, uh, to, and they'll run ancestor simulations for fun or for education or to figure out just what was going on with that whole cinnamon challenge thing. Um, if they do this, every copy of every simulation will far exceed the members of biological humans that ever existed. So statistically speaking, there are going to be far, we are far more likely to be a simulation than a real human, which is the best argument I've heard for banning statistics. <laughs> Being in a simulation might explain some of the odder parts of reality, why certain atomic particles seem to behave differently when we're watching them, or while, why Carl Sanderland still has a job, or why I have no memory of last Thursday. There's much more it doesn't explain. It doesn't explain consciousness, the ever-expanding levels of complexity that we discover in our universe, or what stamp duty is. Does the idea that this is a simulation cheapen our existence? Is our life worth less if it's digital? Or does it free us from the laws of biology or society that we assumed were innate? Can I finally punch a Nazi in the face? Or is it a zero-sum argument with no consequence to our daily existence, a disprovable thought experiment thought up by a tech bro keen on getting an invitation to Musk's prepper circle? And where is the complaints form? Here to ruin your evening on the affirmative, we have Rachel Rayner. We did have Rachel Rayner. That's right, yep. Uh, Armin Alamadani. And Ange Lavapouillet. Okay. Are you okay? Okay, good. <laughs> All right. While well, we sort out the affirmative, uh, on the negative, we have Mark Freeman, Sam Bowden, Blue Wall. All right, everyone. We're very close to the edge of the stage tonight, so uh, let's let's not venture off the edges again. Uh, look, are we, Rachel, are you good? Are you okay? <laughs> um, while we settle in, do you want to um, maybe kick off by telling us, you've been touring your show, Atomically Correct? I have, yeah. yes. I've just come back from Perth. Excellent. Uh, and what some of the best 
or most memorable feedback you've had about the show? Oh, um, I must say the uh, Dr. Carl meets Barbie highlight of my life. Right. Yeah. Was that, that was good? That was good. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, that's good. Is okay. that good? Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Good. That's good. Yeah. What will you do with that, that feedback? I don't know. I'm going to tell Dr. Carl. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I probably might aim for Barbenheimer next. I, I mean, like Dr. It. Carl meets Barbie, Barbenheimer's next. Marvellous. Yeah. Well, good luck with the rest of the tour. Thank, Thank you, for, you for stopping by with us. Armin, we might kick off with you. How are you going? Yeah, good. Microphone. This is yeah, a, a podcast. <laughs> Excellent. Um, now, this is your second sci-fi. Welcome back. Surprisingly. <laughs> I thought I'm not funny. But it turned out I am a little bit. Not tonight, though. Not tonight. You, you wouldn't. You Last wouldn't, uh, time I was, yeah. Okay. You I checked in the simulation 72 times and every time nobody laughs. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> A data-driven approach. Uh, what will you be doing differently this debate? Um, I would say the same shit. Okay. <laughs> but this time it doesn't work, you know. <laughs> work last time. Did yeah. you win last time? Were you on yeah. The- yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, of doing. course, yeah. That's the least I can do, winning, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's the least... I have backup with me. Me boys, you, yeah. Who's this? He's my assistant's dog. And will... Yeah, he will you... marks students' papers usually. That's how it is. <laughs> so those who fail, that's how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> that actually explains quite a bit about the marking process. <laughs> and welcome back to Sci-Fi. Thank you so much. So great to have you here. Thank you. Um, uh, look, we're debating simulation theory tonight. If you could pick one artist to uh, who created the simulation that we live in, who would you pick? I would want it to be Bowie. Ooh. Um, but yeah, right. Like, uh, but but um, yeah, I don't think this one is his work. Okay. <laughs> what makes you think that? Um, it's like. The wor- it's the bad kind of weird. Okay. <laughs> I think, what, yeah. What would a Bowie simulation involve? It'd be hornier. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but in a way that's like unsettling, like a sexual awakening that happens too young. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot to think about. Uh, <laughs> might throw over to, to the negative. Uh, we'll start with you, Mark. Welcome back to Sci-Fi. Thank you. So great to have you here. Um, now, you've been a computer scientist for the entire time I've known you, which is six months. Uh, um, what do computer scientists think about simulation theory? I think they're too busy running their simulations to think about, are we actually living in one? So they're the puppet master of their own domains, so they're I not think- worried if... No, we're not, but they're running really basic rudimentary simulations of boring things. Okay. No. So they're less Their con- simulations couldn't have this debate. So they're less concerned that we're in a sort of a Bushka simulation situation where they're in someone's simulation who are in someone else's simulation. Definitely. Okay. All right. Good to know. <laughs> uh, Sam, we'll move on to you. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Um, you're a comedian. When was the last time you had a really good debate with someone? Uh, well, my brother. Yeah? He's very argumentative, okay. and I'm very argumentative. Okay. And uh, he's an ecologist, and uh, he seems to think I give a fuck about what type of tree that is. And I'm like, I don't, dude, it's a tree. I don't, I don't. <laughs> so 
you don't care. It's a tree, but you get into a debate. Well, I sort of get dragged into one nearly every single time. He'll find a way to be like, well, that tree's not actually perfect for with magpie, you know, gestations. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm stoned and I've got an ice cream. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, like, and then I have to be like, well, actually, here is why I don't give a shit about that tree. And then I have to extrapolate pretty right. much. I'm so curious as to why you don't give a shit about the No, 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 no. I, I, I do. Like, yeah. I, I love wildlife. It's yeah. important to me. But, like, that's a lot of, like, autism in very close proximity again and again. It's like getting waterboarded by Rain Man. So after a little while, I kind of just tap out of the tree debate. You know what I mean? Okay. How do these debates end generally? How do you? Uh, well, we either end up laughing or we revert back to being uh, 12 and 15. Okay. And we, one of us gets thrown into a wall. <laughs> I should clarify, I love him. Okay. But yes, that's the last and most frequent debates I have. We have on the record that Sam loves his brother and that's what matters. So uh, good. Excellent. Uh, Lou, you. welcome to Sci-Fi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what strategies have your team cooked up to, to come to this debate tonight? I've left the strategizing to those two. Uh-huh. I'm um, a self-proclaimed dumb cunt. <laughs> um, so good luck to you two. <laughs> I feel like you're just lowering the expectations of everyone in the room so you can knife point them later on. Uh, well, welcome everyone. It's so great to have everyone here. Uh, now the rules of sci-fi. We know that everyone always has more fun with rules and these are them. Uh, tonight's debate is governed by the laws of time and space and also the state of New South Wales. A reminder to both teams not to defame your opponents. We're here for a good time, not a long time. Each debater... Can you give us an example? <laughs> Five page out of six page of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I spent $45 purchasing all of their web browser history so I could just hit them where it hurts. I think you can attack their arguments, you can attack their belief systems, you know, their values. Appearance? Well, I think that's getting into ad hominem territory and right. attacking the person. All right, hold on. Okay. Is, the, <laughs> is the service dog out of the equation? <laughs> Do not fuck with my dog. <laughs> If you're fucking with me, it's okay, but not my dog. Hey, we're dumb bitches. We stick together. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. <laughs> I'm beginning to get worried about tonight. We are here for a good time, not a long time. Each debater has eight minutes. If people go longer, I will start reading out the Red Pill Manifesto. From the MRA's Manosphere, I accidentally found while researching this debate. And I'll keep doing it until I'm sure absolutely no one here is having a good time. Come the end of the debate, you, our trusty audience, uh, will be called on to decide who the winning team is, mainly by shouting, because science has proved the loudest person in any room is always the most correct. Uh, now we're going to move on to our very first speaker for tonight. Rachel Rayner, the explainer, is a physicist, poet, and performer who has been touring their quantum com comedies for three years. Uh, they work at Questacon, the Discovery Center, and, Be and in Bendigo, and the CSIRO when they're not touring science comedies. Um, they wrote the International Definition of Science Poetry, which is good, and uh, has appeared alongside Dr. Carl uh, on the ABC to explain the mysteries of the tube worm. Please make some noise for Rainer, the explainer! 
Thank you. And uh, there's uh, no moving parts on this. Uh, there's no seats here, so I'm not going to fall off the stage again, hopefully. But hey, I mean, that was this simulation, right? The other simulation was probably a bit smoother. Uh, so yeah, we're in a simulation. How do you feel? How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Recognize that feeling, accept it and let it go. Yeah. Uh, especially if the feeling is, yeah, no consequences. Because that's not the case, as we heard just now. There is consequences, so we're going to be nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, we only want to say nice things on stage. And we want to make a beautiful, loving simulation, I think. Yeah, and because there's no opting out. This is it. We're stuck. Um, unless maybe a religion is into something, there is an afterlife. But it's, our, uh, it's where our coding overlords print us out into mini action figures and then give them to us kids to be in the dollhouses. And how good we are depends on whose dollhouse we get to be in, right? Is it Andy's or is it Sid's? Yeah, the good people, we get an A at the bottom of our shoe. Yes. That was a Disney reference. Uh, just so you know, do like a bit of Disney. But uh, this isn't Toy Story. It's a Sim story. So thinking about that, they're the same thing. Um, yeah, that didn't really work that way. But because um, we're not talking about the Matrix kind, right? What what we were talking about uh, just here is the, the gaming kind or the research kind. So we're not floating bodies, experiencing hallucinations. We're, uh, we're just code. So deep down, we're all Korean new. Uh, there's worse fonts to be. Um, and using American spelling, which, yeah, I know that does mean no color, no favor and no humor. Uh, so serious business. But how do we know it's a simulation? There are clues in the many, many suspicious things that are happening now and throughout history. It shows that our tech masterminds are running us as their sims, but they're so lazy with their coding sometimes. Uh, it just gives them away. Uh, but, uh, we've got a team here who is not lazy. They can see straight through the haze of our egocentric sensibilities to an existence where we are nothing but the ones and zeros. It's beautiful because here we are one and zero, but one. Um, yeah. So we've got Armin and Meepo. Uh, they'll go into the details of our creators into more depth and the depth and go into more detail on the purpose of the simulation itself and look into some human failures. We've got Ange here as well, who will prove to you that it's all just dumb. All of it's just dumb. Uh, as well as talking about the Mandela effect, maybe a few other things here and there. We'll see what these guys say. Uh, so my first point is to be clear. We will have the tech to do this. It's useless to say it's too hard, too much computer power to simulate each gram of sand that gets wedged between the folds of my swimwear. Uh, this is akin to Lord Kelvin uh, of temperature fame, declaring that heavier than air machine, <laughs> heavier than air flying machines are impossible. Uh, his score for that opinion: absolute zero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, but maybe coders have updated the atmospheric conditions because only eight years later, after he said that, the Wright brothers achieved their flight, and a mere fifty-eight years later, the uh, we had staffed space travel, not manned, staffed space travel. Uh, these such rapid developments, suspicious. Now we've got AI all over the place, assisting in creating simulated worlds, and quantum computing is happening, working now. We've all existed through the rise and domination of the smartphone. So the tech will get there. We know this. We've experienced this ourselves. And when we get there, we will want to simulate other life forms the, some, the same way we all wanted that Tamagotchi. Yeah. It's normal to want to simulate the past to understand the now in more detail. We're doing that with our current 
primitive brains to understand evolution. The lungfish, with its webby feet squishing through the Devonian mud, is wondering if it's real or a simulation in a 21st century computer. But for it, it's going to look around, it's going to look behind it, and it's going to see that the water is just a bit too still, it's just a bit too blue, and the edges are just a bit too triangular. It's going to look up to its very simply brown trees that have branches, but then triangles on the end of those branches that are a very unified shade of green. Yeah, it's in a a pixelated landscape. But we too are in a pixelated landscape. There are limits to our reality. The perfect maths that we have assembled to align with our observations of the natural world show that there is no infinity to our universe. There's a stop, a limit, it. The existence of the maths itself is suspicious. The laws of nature, more, uh, the laws of nature that many sheeple see this as a typical laws of physics, is actually limitations of a computer simulation. We just accept, accept, in this day and age, that the universe falls into a neat order of rules, laws, and Fibonacci sequences. Suspicious. Yeah, shells, sunflowers, seeds, hurricanes, and galaxies all just happen to have the same pattern. Yeah, suspicious. And downright lazy, to be perfectly honest. This is lazy level design, you know? And if this is a game, maybe we'll level up and it'll be slightly more complicated in the next round, you know? Respawning is reincarnation, if we're good enough. Yes. So the laws of physics describe our pixelated world, uh, and we describe it as the quantum laws. Space is in bits. Many would call it a Planck length. Uh, It's really a pixel length. Uh, And it's 1.6 times 10 to the minus 31 meters. Speed is limited. Nothing is faster than light. Uh, Suspicious. Uh, And that is 3 times 10 to the 8 meters per second. I mean, it's fast. This is a very complicated computer system. But it's still limited. It's still in bits. And also, you've got the whole quantum physics thing of like the particle duality and only takes one form when you look at it. I mean, it's same as playing a game. Something will only render itself when you look at it, you know, because it doesn't need to until you're looking at it. Yeah, so suspicious. Yeah. So uh, these are defined limitations, and that does only happen in simulations. Anyway, a quick last point. Uh, We haven't met aliens. It's a slightly divergent topic. Yes, uh, there are thousands and thousands of exoplanets. For our uh, thousands and thousands of exoplanets in our own galaxy, and no contact moment? All those seeds and only one growing? Suspicious. <laughs> Remember, these coders are lazy. They're unlikely to do all the coding for a whole other society just so we can build pyramids together there every 4,000 years or so. Yeah. So in summary, wait, how long have I gone for? Oh, I'll make it a long summary. In summary, there are too many things here that are suspicious. And uh, in this, the universe convinces me that, uh, no, that, see, I'm going to start that summary together because I have more time. There are too many things here that are suspicious in this universe to convince me that it's all perfectly natural and we are living in the one true world. For example, suddenly breaking the four-minute mile? Suspicious. The slinky drop experiment? Extremely suspicious. Water siphoning? Weird. 
Suspicious. Cocaine bricks in Sydney Harbour? Don't even need to finish that sentence. So we will get the technology to get there. It's perfectly natural, not not natural, perfectly normal with this rapid development that we're seeing in technology today that we will be able to have computers that can simulate these things. Just because we can't conceive it now doesn't mean it won't happen. Don't be Kelvin. Really? Don't be Kelvin. Be Celsius. It's completely, want, it's completely normal to want to build a simulation of the past to understand the now, right? We all wanted that Tamagotchi. We all want some little things to look after. Sims is a very popular game, I'd say, and that probably proves the point we want to. We want to do this deep down. So why wouldn't our future people want to do this too? Uh, the universe is pixelated. That's weird. That's very weird. Suspicious, I mean. Uh, it's suspicious. Uh, so it's pixelated. We're in bits. We are all made of bits. Yeah? And it's simplified. We've got Fibonacci sequences that are just used willy-nilly to fill in any little gap that they couldn't be bothered to code. And then you've got quantum physics in itself with the wave particle, duali- wave particle duality, which is also just a bit of laziness. They didn't want to render at all, you know, save a little bit of energy because I'm sure climate change is quite bad where they are. And no aliens, right? You were looking at this one. I think, you know, we're allowed a little bit of self-obsession, a little bit of, just a little bit, not too much, uh, to think that, yeah, maybe we are special enough to be the only simulation in this universe. They don't need another society. We are so interesting. As Ange said, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a fucked up one, this one, but that makes it interesting, right? But yeah, I think so. So suspicious. It's just us here. All ones and zeros. But yeah, that makes us one. Yeah, and Korea and you. So, are you going to play nice or are you going to end up in Sid's dollhouse? Thank you. Rachel Rayner! Accusing our creators of laziness. I hope that goes well for us. That's excellent. Uh, Before we bring on the next debater, I just wanted to share some science news with you uh, from this week. Uh, a new paper got released this week um, that argued that animals should be able to vote on issues that matter to them. I don't know if you saw this one. Um, And, like, debates around... (laughs) Mio looks like we could definitely vote. That would be great. Um, uh, Debates around personhood of certain animals have raged for many years. Um, and I don't know about you, the more that we learn about animals, the argument for humans' superiority, um, over other species continues to weaken. So like, I think we spent most of the 20th century of humans being like, aha, we're the only animals that use tools. We're the only animals that use tools. And botanists were like, uh, so sorry about this. Uh, actually quite a few animals use tools. There's elephants, they use branches octopuses use coconut shells as shields and like a single sexy kind of bra cup and uh humans were were like okay okay that's fine uh you know we're still special we're the only animals that use tools to make tools Eh? and the zoologists are like i'm so sorry about this uh (laughs) crows use tools to make tools chimpanzees also use tools to make other tools. Uh, and humans are like, fine, we're the first animals to open a Bunnings. Um, the study was published in the journal Analysis and doesn't recommend animals actually go to the ballot box 
directly. They recommend that animals have an appointed representative casting votes on behalf of all animals, which did make me wonder what Ranger Stacy was actually up to. <laughs> um, yeah, Steve Owen might have been an appropriate person, but uh, he had a vote of no confidence from the animal kingdom. So just leave that one there and move on to our next speaker. Our first speaker for The Negative, Mark Freeman, is an academic with a passion for teaching. This year, he'll be teaching business information systems uh, and focusing on process design. Uh, as he believes there are no overlords push, pulling the strings, he takes matters into his own hands. And according to his past students, Mark is the only lecturer who inflicts group work on them and then makes them rank each other to reveal the only member of the group whoever did any work. Would you make some noise for Mark Freeman? Mark, 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 Mark! I'm here to argue today that we're not living in a simulation. Audience members, the esteemed judge, my teammates and opponents. As the first opposition speaker, I will present to you hopefully what is an electrifying debate to debunk any notions that were going to be brought forward by the team both now and also into the future. We are not all ones and zeros. So I first want to start off by saying that I'm glad that we're under no obligation of any debate society here today, because I think from what was just said, clearly it is in violation of Rule 71 AI1 of the Rules of Standing Orders of Special Schedules of the Oxford Union Society. This is one of the most prestigious debating societies in the world. It's a riveting 209-page read. If we are in a simulation, why would they bother writing such a document? It is available for you to all go and download and read in your spare time. Now, it states in that particular rule, on about page 160, I think, that by engaging in harmful, reckless, and dangerous conduct, you are susceptible to in a debate, a 100 pound fine. Those lies that you put forward about living in a simulation violate all of my beliefs, and therefore you are subject to that 100 pound <laughs> fine. Now, bringing it forward, if we are living in simulation, then how does that define the Pixar verse and linking of all of Pixar's movies? You brought forward Andy, and well, really, we all know what happens, and it's Wally. You just have to follow it, and that's the final story, and that's where we end up. And you forgot about Fahrenheit. Like Kelvin, Celsius, the Americans are still just dealing with Fahrenheit and all of the problems associated with that. If we were living in a simulation, wouldn't it just be easier to stick with one unit of measurements? <laughs> now, when I received the instructions about today's debate, then I looked at who's on the affirmative. I saw that Armin is up next. And... He's the second speaker this time, and maybe that was because of some timing arrangement issues. And I thought to myself, I don't want to be on this losing side again, so please vote for me because he's already won. We were both competing in this Wollongong debate on AI. And when I watched him as the first speaker, he bent the time-space continuum as he turned his allocated eight minutes into what could have been, I think, about a 20-minute diatribe about some poor, helpless bloke called Kevin. Now, Kevin, he said, was quite clearly all fucked. He said that he was living in this AI hell and he had this, as in his words, a fucked up life 
And that was all he told us about this entire debate. Everything was done through that time. Now, it was not stopped, and I would love to hear the manifesto on the red pill, so I'm just going to keep on talking. Because what we were promised that debate was that we'd hear a wonderful rendition of Paranoid Android by Radiohead. I've since gone back and listened through all sci-fi debates available on Spotify and can safely say that not once have I heard that in the debate that she comes through with her promise and actually presents and starts to perform that particular piece of whatever it was for that debate. So I put it to you today. If we were living in a simulation with this so-called code, surely at some point it would break out into that song or into that poem. Now, let me be here and be clear today that we are representing a negative side, which means we are all real. If we pinch ourselves, it's going to hurt. We are not simply. A copy of anything. We are here and we are ourselves. We are each unique in our own ideas. Now, I've been and looking, and I've tried to go backstage, and believe me, this universe doesn't have some poor bloke called Kevin there who's really just a janitor, but he's not there. He's not there drinking his bottle of Prime or whatever drink these days that the cosmic overlords would drink. He's not there. And with that, our argument is simpler. We are real. We are in existence here today. We're not just some teenager from another realm science project and pretty much if we were he probably should get an f for all of the fucked up things that has happened in our world simulation theory suggests that elon musk is somebody who we should look up to he's an entrepreneur he would be a system administrator trying to fix all the bugs in the simulation that he says exists and he'd be a pretty crap system administrator if that was the case i mean this is a guy with 11 children and he starts just randomly naming them X, Y, Maximilian, something or other. I don't know what he's called the next one. And just picture him with his virtual headset on, trying to hit the undo button while handing out flamethrowers. You get a flamethrower. You get a flamethrower. And at the same time, two days ago, flamethrowers aren't enough. Let's just start implanting chips into people's heads. I get the idea is entertaining if we were living in simulation. Some kind of comic, cosmic sitcom where aliens are watching us and rating our scores on IMDb. They'd be kind of thinking, is this the latest episode of keeping up with the carbon-based carbon -based life forms? Spoiler alert, in the final series, in the final episode, it's a showdown between two individuals trying to grab the last roll of toilet paper. So there's several reasons which I could argue that it's better suited that we're all just considering this as an idea of science fiction rather than a reflection on reality. Let's face it. The idea of simulation theory was developed by some middle-aged Swedish white guy who sat in a dingy office in some university in England. Now, the problem with this guy is that he's probably just mad at the world for not knowing the correct pronunciation of the university where he got his Bachelor of Arts from. Everybody from an English-speaking society would just say, oh, it's the University of Gothenburg. No, it's the University of Yetebore. 
I can see why he's mad. The number of times when I worked for my former employer and I'd attend a conference and somebody would try to pronounce Wollongong correctly with an American accent was just annoying. And I'm not even famous. So let's go through some of these reasons why everything they say about us being in a simulation is wrong. The first one doesn't need any explanation. We can all throw the idea away that we have any free will, if this is true. The second point that I'd like to emphasize is that there's a lack of empirical evidence. And the logical inconsistencies, yes, you could start to go and say, oh, Fibonacci's this, Fibonacci numbers that, look at the shell, look at the sunflower. But at the heart of our scientific understanding, the case for simulation theory is quite glaringly absent. Yes, as humans, what we try to do is look for patterns in things that there aren't really patterns. Are we looking for a causal effect or is this something that is truly there? Simulation theory raises more questions than things that it possibly could answer. If we were living in simulation, what purpose do we serve? Who are the architects of this simulation and what motivates them? Why do we think that we're better than anybody else? The next point I want to raise is that of Occam's razor. Ah, William of Occam, such a noble English Franciscan friar. He was a philosopher, a Catholic theologian, born about uh, in 1200 AD approximately, depending on what article you read. Now, his principle is quite straightforward. If you're faced with a competing hypothesis, then choose the simplest one. The simplest one is that we're real. We're not in a simulation. Think of all of those ideas and all those complexities, the intricate layers that would have to be built. Even if we're not looking over there, is something happening? In my simulation, would these people actually exist? Yes, they do. And that's why we have reality. Now, you went on and talked about the concepts of computational power and that things are adding up and things are getting increasingly more complex, even down to a quantum level. But as Broadstrom, the guy, that Swedish guy from the University of Yetabore said, in a post-human simulation, do we actually have the power to keep up with and keep on track with everything that's going on? Every thought. Every little idea, every time that a butterfly flies past, and I think about, well, should I stop listening now? We need to value our experiences because they are real. If you are living in a simulated construct, does that would diminish everything that you've thought, all of your belief systems up to now. There is no love. There is no pain. There's no joy. There's no sex. These are all just scripted responses. I don't want to believe that, and I don't. I want to hold meaning. I want to be able to address the philosophical and ethical arguments that mean that things are real. I want to be able to look at the trolley problem and think, well, who's on that line compared to that? And know that I'm making a solid choice on who I want to run over for various reasons. If our reality is artificial, does that diminish our value and experiences, our relationships? Are we merely puppets of someone else's game? If we are in a simulation, do we need laws? Yes, I think we do. 
And therefore, I might say, do we need a lawyer if we're in a simulation? Our actions are not part of predetermined scripts. We have moral responsibilities. We make decisions whether or not they are ethical. We are not programmed and uh, by simulation creators. If the people in our lives are simulated entities, does that affect the authenticity of our relationships and our connections? Well, it would. And we might as well all just stop and just go back to a society where there are no morals, there are no laws and no bounds. But we are, and that's why we have them in place. Now, I want to just leave you with one point. Neil deGrasse Tyson is a strong proponent of the idea of what is an infam- of what is a simulation. And he said that prior to his understanding of this idea, and that would mean that he'd have to change, that science literacy, knowing that we're real, would be a vaccine against the charlatans who would try to exploit you of your ignorance. So do not let these charlatans exploit you of your ignorance because you are not ignorant. We are real and we're living in a society which we matter. When we look at the universe, we need to think about what kind of ideas and beliefs that we have and we have a higher power. Neil deGrasse Tyson says that we have no higher power, yet if we are in a simulation, we would because we have somebody pulling those strings. The simulation hypothesis is something controversial and it's an intriguing idea, but it's not reality. It's merely people who have nothing better to do sitting in their rooms alone trying to figure out if that game of Dungeons and Dragons that they lost was actually all just made up because they're bitter. We have no resets. We have no undo. There are no save points. We are just moving forward. Mark Freeman. I think he just took a swipe at D&D fans, which is a deep failure of understanding a sci-fi audience. So wishing you luck there, Mark. Uh, Look, before we move on to our next debate, there's more science news that I wanted to share with you. Uh, This week, chickpeas were successfully grown in lunar soil for the first time. So imagine risking your life in a rocket launch, traveling the perilous 385,000 kilometers through space to even to from the Earth to the Moon, entering their dangerously thin lunar atmosphere and arriving, and they're like, welcome, we've got Hamas. Some Hamas fans in. <laughs> Not going to like the next bit. Uh, the chickpea, the staple of every middle-class art school vegetarian, makes up for its middling nutritional content and bland profile, <laughs> taste profile by its sheer volume. Say what you like about chickpeas, but there's always a lot of them. Uh, The moon doesn't even technically have soil. It has regolith, which is just loose dust and bits of rock. The regolith is uh, also full of heavy metals. So the moon is basically just made out of Adelaide, is what I'm saying. Uh, A pure chickpea diet might be the most compelling argument for tackling climate change uh, so we can stay here on Earth, at least not until they manage to grow a potato. Essentially, our next speaker also famously has never grown a potato. 
Armin is a lecturer at the University of Wollongong School of Law. Uh, he's the tech nerd that you usually see in movies. Uh, he's that guy who talks about uh, talks to gadgets and tells them how to behave in a legally sound manner. Of course, uh, his studies often look at the crossover, look like the crossover episode between a sci-fi movie and a courtroom drama, where tech, law, and the latest season of Black Mirror have a wild party. Please welcome to the stage, Armin Almendari. Do you reckon there's a simulation where this is seamless? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, because we're in a simulation. <laughs> All right. So, first off, I want to tell you my personal opinion about this simulation, just putting aside the whole debate thing with friends. Guys, after years of academic research, my opinion is that if you're not in a simulation, you're utterly, totally fucked. I mean, seriously. Who can, you know, go on with this reality? And if this is a simulation, you are totally fucked because it's a fucking fucked up simulation. So that's the first part of my opinion had nothing with the uh, debate. The second, rebuttal. Whatever Mike said, bullshit. <laughs> now, I killed 40 seconds because my presentation is 7 minutes and 20 seconds only. Nice. Let's go. So... The elephant in the room, because Mike also asks, if it's a simulation, then who created it? Well, it, look, see, there are so many philosophical bullshit theory in this area. I don't want to go through them. I'm not lecturing. We are having fun. It's a sci-fi show, all right? So it could be humans, yeah. Uh, we could be all AIs. We could be giant spiders in the real world. But here we look like, you know, humans. And yeah, so many other things. But I personally have an academic fact-based fact-checked opinion. I think creatures who running the simulation are koalas. Now, why are you laughing? I don't know. I'm very serious. Why? Because if you haven't noticed, no one ever says fuck koalas. Have you ever heard that? I've never. They have made themselves innocent creatures. So cute, cheeky. You want to just, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? And this shit looks super cute. That's my whole point. But, and if you Google fuck koalas, sorry, fuck school in double co uh, code, you get 3 million results. Today was the first day of a school. I think we had one extra million just today. But yes, you get 3 million results. If you Google fuck koalas, you get 1,570. Okay, so 3 millions, 1,750. Barely ever. Anyone ever says fuck callers. And many of them they say that no one says fuck callers. So it's not that they are saying fuck callers. And you're like, well, there are many other creatures. How about sharks? Yeah, I tested that. Fuck sharks. If you search for it, 12,000 comparing to 1,570 is nothing. But you might be like, well, no one says fuck spiders. Well, I'm not here to fuck spiders. Yeah. How about pandas? No one says, fuck pandas. That's true, but scientists put pandas in, in private rooms to fuck each other, yet they don't. Fuck pandas. I say fuck pandas. So, not convinced? There are 4,000 koalas dying every year. 67 million humans die every year. Who created this world? Of course, koalas. And when it comes to pandas, there are only 2,000 of them left. Okay, so let's not even get there. 
Now, we humans are simply like the AIs in real world, but biological AIs. We serve colas, treat them well, you will get fucked if you don't. Okay, hence, we are living in a simulation. That was my first point. Second, <laughs> what's the purpose of simulation? What's the purpose of simulation? Again, Mark asks, what is the purpose of this thing? Well, uh, we want to see, like, what the fuck is going on to happen. That's the Carlos ideas. Like, what's going to happen in the future? Because if you, again, haven't noticed, Carlos are always tired. They're chill. So they didn't want to think. They just wanted simulations to run and they can see what's going to happen in the end. And... Yeah, but the other thing is uh, maybe they want to try different products and see if they work in the simulation and then they run it in the real world. For instance, when it comes to sex toys, I have some interesting numbers here. In 2021, uh, the, global, the global market for sex toys was valued at 1 billion and 482 million toys. Two for everyone. I didn't buy any on 2021, so some people got three. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I think this shit has cooler purposes, not only, you know, the products and those kind of things, but they might be doing academic research on us. For instance, to measure human stress and anxiety, we use tests such as Hamilton Anxiety Scale or Beck's Anxiety Inventory and many others, and some of them failed. But Carlos, they said, let's be, you know, more creative. So they designed Microsoft Word to measure our tolerance to stressful situations. Have you ever, you have text, one page text, have you ever drag and drop a picture inside the text? Fuck callers, really. It gets fucked. Have you ever tried page break? Some of you might have. Yeah, each chapter should start with, you know, new referencing and numbers, those things. Oh, I spent 45 minutes for that before I submit my PhD thesis. That was a stressful situation. So, and have you ever, you know, turned on your computer and it forced you to update Windows and it takes 40 minutes? So these are all, you know, elements to assess our tolerance. And they come, you know, at different levels. So they look at our reactions, they, they test, they assess us that way. And the 10 levels are your reaction, like you drag and drop an image that says, oops, level two, level three, shit. Therefore, holy moly, are you serious? Level five, you just completely lose it. Say, yeah. Level six, Jesus Christ Almighty, help me, help. Level seven, fuck this shit. Level eight, mother father. Level nine, motherfucker. And level ten, fuck Microsoft, fuck. And that's the level ten that I hit many times, so many times that I think I'm one of the cases studies now. Uh, so whatever I said in this part. Hence, we are living in a simulation. Next, you are not convinced, need more reason, here is another one. We humans have made many achievements. We have developed many vaccines, we made aeroplanes, electric cars, we managed to mess up some people so badly that they think the, the earth is flat. We landed, we landed shits on the fucking moon and Mars. We learned how to edit our fucking genes. We made chat GPT. Yet, we can't predict the fucking weather. <laughs> like the research claims, and I say claim, okay? Claims that they can predict a seven-day forecast with 80% accuracy. 
bullshit. Like how many times you look at the forecast, it says it's not raining. Two minutes later, it's raining. Okay, it's not that. So it can't be. How the fuck that's possible? After all these achievements, we cannot do this one thing. Hence, you're living in simulation. But how did it happen? It doesn't make to make uh, sense to make simulation like this. What happened to laws of physics we just talked about? Mark talked about. Imagine KSDH, which is Koala Simulation Development Headquarters. All koalas are chilling because they are always fucking tired. We have the head of weather simulation development, Kevin. Kevin is writing the Kevin again, writing the code. Kevin's friend knock on the door and say, "Let's go leaf party." And leaf party is a fetish between koalas that they shove leaves in each other's mouths. And Kevin really want to do it, but he has to finish the weather app. And the deadline is tonight, and he gets so anxious that he goes, fuck Microsoft! Level 10, he hits it. And then he decides, he says, fuck it, let's make it random. That's how we can never predict the weather, hence simulation. Final point. You might ask, if it's a simulation, couldn't they tweak it and make it a bit better? Maybe they intended to, maybe they want to make it very real, but maybe they wanted to, you know, make it nicer. And, uh... The, the coding could be shitty. And what, with that, what I mean, here's an example. You remember Kevin? I just talked about him. He and his team were banned from the real world for the weather forecast uh, for fucked up. Okay. And they, they were put, uh, him and his team in our world, uh, with inhuman avatars to suffer. Then in our very specific simulation, not any other one million ones, any, the only ours, only this one, SCOMO immediately hired the whole team to design the surprisingly super shitty fucking COVID app. And that's bad coding. So, makes sense, hence simulation. <laughs> I think I'm done. Oh, thank God, hence simulation. I'm in it, And I'm in long list of grievances so we're gonna take to kevin i'm still unsure who or what kevin is and we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna take some time to reflect on what we've heard in the last <laughs> 15 minutes or so uh it's eight o'clock now uh let's have an intermission of 15 minutes uh go get a drink toilet say hello to someone you've never seen before whatever suits uh suits you and we'll see you back here at eight fifteen. Welcome back. How was the break? Did we have a good break? Have we been discussing the complex and nuanced debating arguments that everyone has presented, comparing notes, checking citations, everything I expect from a highly esteemed audience? I'm mainly just talking until I have a vague sense that most of our debaters are back on the stage. Yeah, there's plenty of them. Uh, without further ado, we're going to move on to the second negative speaker. Uh, Sam Bowden is a comedian, a writer, a Youth One Football Brisbane Southeast Development League champion in 2011. He has sold out shows all over the country, supported the likes of Chris Delia, Bill Cosby, Louis C.K. and Sam Simmons. Police now have a permanent tail on Sam to see who he supports next. Give it up for our next debater, Sam Bowden. Hello. Thank you all for being here. 
and uh, it's it's very nice that you all decided to do the stuff. Um, sweet, yeah. So, okay, look, let's put this very simply. I had like this uh, big chunk spare for rebuttals, but to be honest with you, Mark with Rachel did a very good job, and I have nothing else to contribute to that. I think Mark backed that up very well. And uh, I would like to thank Armin for making no fucking sense at all. So let's just fucking move on here. That was... <laughs> Fuck, man, I've got to somehow figure out a way to fill four minutes. Um, look, okay. There's something that I hope that I need you to understand about this debate, right? About the, the tenuous circumstances and the shifting sands and the gray area in perpetuity, right? Where this debate kind of exists in, all right? Regardless of how you feel about the subject matter, the idea that we are living in a simulation right now, is in no way at all provable. Not at all. Not once. You've seen it from Speaker 1 and Speaker 2. Both of them have tried to change their definition of what the simulation actually is. They don't even know what they're arguing for, okay? This is not a high school debate where things are cut and dry, okay? Oh, should we have phones in class? Oh, oh, no. Oh, should we serve vegan options at the talk shop? Oh, should we fire Mr. Bellagio because he's hands-on at volleyball training? Those answers are clear-cut, all right? Yes, yes, no. His methods win trophies, all right? So, this is not cut and dry. This is deep. This is dark, okay? There are, there are obvious answers. No, that's what I said beforehand. There is no tangible proof that we live in a simulation. There are theories. There's no tangible proof, which means that the burden of said proof is entirely on the affirmative. It is entirely on the affirmative team to prove to you without a doubt that we live in a simulation that apparently has constantly changing definitions. All right? So when you go to vote for the winner of this debate, you need if you vote for them, they needed to have convinced you outright, okay? And I need you to think about that, okay? I really need you to think about Ali Madani, Lavopierre, Rachel. Don't be fooled by these smart-sounding names, okay? Because I can tell you right now, there is no scientist, theoretical physicist, or tinfoil hat-wearing mainstream media-hating truther that can convince you without a shadow of a doubt that we live in a simulation. It just doesn't exist. But in saying that, this is a debate, so here is my charade. So, let's get some jargon out of the way first off. And Mark touched on some of this, so I'm going to skim over a few bits of it here. Let's look at something called, now bear in mind I have an arts degree, so bear with me here. Quantum mechanics complexity. I was expecting a round of applause for that. Those are big words and I said them very well. Simulating the behavior of particles at the quantum level as described by quantum mechanics would require an astronomical amount of computational power, as Rachel kind of uh, mentioned. The complexity of quantum phenomena suggests that creating a simulation of reality would be an enormous undertaking beyond our current capabilities and comprehension. Does that mean it's not possible? Not necessarily. It doesn't mean that it's not possible. But it would mean that any conceivable simulation that has been created at the capacity that the affirmative team attests to 
would not be created by any human entity, but indeed some sort of other entity, a creator, a God, if you will. But if we have a God, then you're looking at the conversation of free will, which Mark also brought up. And then this turns into a does God exist debate. And that is not the debate we are having. I will not be pulled into any does God exist debate. What the fuck is a Fibonacci sequence pizza or the whole I want to fuck a koala thing. All right. None of that shit. It's not real. And if this was a does a God exist debate, then we would also win, okay? Yahweh, Jesus, Allah, it all just comes from the same golden bull that the Canaanites frothed over, all right? Next fucking point. Occam's razor. Mark mentioned it as well. Occam's razor. The simplest explanation is often the most correct one. The simulation hypothesis introduces a complex layer of reality upon your perceived reality itself. To explain observations while the non-simulation hypothesis simply proposes that what you are experiencing is in fact real. Now, we have talked about the fact that there are stakes within this simulation, but that doesn't quite add up if none of this is even real, if it's all just being programmed going forward, okay? Because this ragtag bunch of misfits, when they propose this question, they're not just questioning your surroundings and your ecosystem, but they are in fact questioning your lived experiences as you know it. Oh my god, your brother didn't actually die in a car accident. It's all fake. How fucking dare you guys? Which brings me to this next point. Did that not make sense? Thank you. All right, cool. They agree with me too. <laughs> which transition, transitions me into my next point, which is, of course, the empirical reality. If we were in a simulation, it would be incredibly complex to simulate such a vast and detailed reality consistently, but also consistently for each individual. Okay? You are, all of you, every single one of you, you are your own people living vastly different lives, experiencing the world through the filter of your childhood experience. Absolutely everything is unique to you. You, sir, what is your name? Tobias, straight away. Weird fucking name, all right? You know what I mean? No one's called Tobias anymore. See, you're my perfect example, all right? Great. What is your name? Melanie, all right. Kind of a little more normal, but you understand what I'm saying? What was the name of your fifth grade teacher, Tobias? <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> do you have a different labeling system? Oh, okay. Um, you're your age in fifth grade. Okay, give me a cheer. Say again. Mrs. Henry, all right, give us a cheer if you can remember your fifth grade teacher. Sweet. Mine was Mr. Sutton. Give us a cheer if you have no memory. Sweet. Okay, suddenly we are a room full of individuals. That was a needless side detail, but I'm stalling for time. You are your own experiences filtered back into themselves, all right? You've bombed job interviews because something a stranger said to you once in a bar. Okay, you've argued with uni lecturers because the way they speak to you reminds you of your estranged mother and how she used to shout at you when you used to clean your room, okay? You last longer in bed because when you were 14, you saw an ad for longer-lasting sex with a man who was making love to the lady had a speech bubble above his head that said, oh man, think of Ricky Ponting's batting average and now you just do that and you don't even need the pills. That one might just be me. I'm pretty sure it was about 53 when he retired. Um, 
That was close. I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> and more to the point, there are a lot of things in society that if we were to have a designer, if we were to have someone creating this simulation, that I don't have any comprehension, and nor do you, why they would program it in. What purpose does it serve in the simulation? If the simulation serves a purpose, why are there things in here that do not serve a purpose? I live in a share house with one other individual. One, that's two people in one share house. And every day we take about five people's worth of shits every fucking day. It's a nightmare. I wake up and my body thinks I'm a corked bear coming out of hibernation. I fucking hate it. There are people out there who like Lin-Manuel Miranda, okay? What kind of nut job? What is the purpose of Lin-Manuel? I'm going to write a musical. I'm going to cast myself. And also Benjamin Franklin is black. Oh my God, I love history when it doesn't face difficult truths, okay? Who's doing that? If things serve a purpose, why are we coding in pedophiles? Why? <laughs> For who? For who? See how weird you all got at the uncomfortable truth that no matter what we do, there are always more pedophiles, okay? What is their purpose in the simulation, all right? Is it cause and effect, in which case it's to create more pedophiles? Or at the very least, very unpredictable tattoo artists, okay? Fucking tell me about it. Also, I knew it would go this way. This is kind of my point, all right? Life is unpredictable. Why did I say that? Is it because I had a point to prove? Or is it because my lived experience suggests that one of my best childhood friends is currently in prison and I'm not dealing with it well, all right? Which one is it? Also, the affirmative team would have you believe that the victim's family just, ooh, it doesn't matter. You disgust me, all of you. I lost you there, but that's fine. My point is this. This is my point. There can be no simulation because we are all individuals with individual lives experiencing the world individually, which means the simulation would have to be uniquely tailored over 6 billion times and counting and have to account for variable change and the unpredictability that accompanies the notion of free will. And again, this is not a discussion about God. There can be no terrarium if we have complete control over our surroundings and our actions. All right? There can be no simulation. We've left the simulation. We've left the garden. We've gone to the moon. All right? If the goldfish in the fish tank builds a rocket ship to the sink, he's going to look back at the fish tank and go, oh, that's not an ocean. That's a fucking tank. Even the knowledge of us being in a simulation renders the simulation pointless. Okay? It becomes a charade, a lie, a sham, a car accident with crash test dummies, where the points are made up, nothing matters, and no one dies. But that is not where we live. A simulation is not where we live. Even if we recognize that this is a puppet show, we have inevitably become the puppeteers. That's what we do. We control our own lives. We control our own systems. And if we control the simulation, then it's not a simulation. It's a series of complicated lies we tell ourselves to get through the grueling trade of existence, or simply put, society. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Uh, if anyone knows why they're still coding in pedophiles, please tell me. I will be at the door afterwards. Thank you very much. Sam Babin! Just so you know, Sam ducked out in the intermission, went, did another set somewhere else, and came back. So, you know, 
just include that in your, your considerations for this type this evening's uh, final outcome. Uh, <laughs> favoritism? Who knows? We'll find out soon. Uh, our next debater, third affirmative speaker for this evening, Ange, is an underappreciated comedian and ABC's national technology reporter. Uh, please stop talking. I can't hear myself think over you talking. I'm so sorry. Uh, they've reported extensively on the AI wave and internet culture. They are contractually required by the government to be correct at all times, making them a prime contender to win tonight's debate. Welcome to the stage, Angela Pierre. Hello. Um, I don't even know if I have time to debunk the many falsehoods you have been told by the negative team so far this evening. Uh, first, you heard from Mark, um, who couldn't think of any arguments or enough arguments to support his case and so resorted to debating debating itself, uh, as well as some previous debates, um, re-prosecuting those. So that was, that was nice. Um, uh, it also seemed to kind of make the other team a little uh, uncomfortable uh, that Elon Musk had posited that we live in a simulation is true. Elon Musk has, um, and no, I it doesn't make me feel good to sit here and agree, stand here before you and agree with Elon Musk. It hasn't happened before, but you know, a, a broken clock even is right twice a day, and Elon Musk was is right about this, and uh, PayPal is quite good. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna give it to him, you know. Um, really, really what I think the other, the other side's arguments boil down to are that they don't like the fact that we live in a simulation. It makes them uncomfortable. They think that, uh, you know, it's scary, um, that we lack control over our situation, uh, and that, you know, uh, maybe it'll lead to sort of immoral consequences that we'll start to think that nothing matters. Um, look, I don't like Sydney's rental market. It's very much the saddest woo of all, but so deeply meant. Thank you. Uh, but, but, you know, these are immutable facts. Um, things don't stop being true just because we don't like them. And I would also like to dispute uh, the idea that, I mean, I would like to see the receipts where uh, it shows us in any, in any way that um, being in a simulation, being a simulated consciousness uh, means that you don't have free will. Um, that you, that, uh, yeah, basically that you don't have free will, that you don't have consciousness. Um, we are kind of already halfway there in terms of creating, simulating consciousnesses in the form of, uh, in the form of AI. Um, so the best, best projections there are that we will sort of hit that within the decade. Um, and that, that kind of number, the projections kind of keep coming down. Um, is it conscious now? No. LLMs, um, as far as we know, aren't conscious. That said, we don't really know all that much about consciousness and the specific conditions, so it could, it could well be, and we just would never know. Um, but it will likely be in the future. So it's kind of a test case that shows that there's nothing, you know, you can have free will and you can exist in a simulation that kind of those cancel each other out. That also, that AGI argument is really, uh, has everything to do with, you know, the kind of, the, what, what Sam was saying about, uh, oh, we, we couldn't possibly... Um, you know, it would need, it would require a god to create the kind of simulation we're talking about. Well, we're about to have one—not a literal god, 
but certainly, um, you know, the technology that would make it possible. Um, yeah. Okay. Where are we at? I feel strongly about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what? Actually, I'm just going to, I feel like I've, I feel like I've destroyed the other team sufficiently. I'm going to move on to my actual arguments. Before, um, right, right after, rather recapping uh, some of the the crucial points, which I haven't heard in a while. Um, you've had a beer; it's been a bit, and um, I'm just going to remind you a little bit of what uh, Rachel and Armin um, set out. Well, mainly Rachel. Let's be honest. Um, uh, but also, fuck koalas. Um, so. Rachel talked about the extraordinary progress we've made towards the technology that would make this exact situation possible. Um, she also talked about the motivation for doing so. Who amongst us has had a pet? Or children? That is the motivation! It's exactly the same thing. Of course we want to simulate other consciousnesses, other, um, other situations, and if we had the power, why wouldn't we create uh, you know, ancestor simulations and try and work out how to do it better, which is the answer to the question that Sam had about what would be the point of the whole exercise. Um, where were they? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, we all have a, we all have an innate, uh, impulse towards being a sim daddy. I think we know that. We have been rehearsing since the dawn of consciousness. Um, and she also told you about the highly suspicious and inexplicable limits as well as spooky features of the known universe. I'll be expanding upon that point. Um, yeah. Uh, and, oh yes, also, anyway, we, I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about quantum physics, but it's real. It's provable. I feel like Sam was saying that quantum physics isn't real. We have quantum computers. Okay. I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to make scientific arguments except for the ones I just made. Um, uh, because I'm a journalist, um, as Alanta mentioned, I, I work at the ABC, um, so I am legally obliged to be correct. And uh, yes, my views today do represent those of my employer. <laughs> Just get that out of the way. So I'm going to use the time that I have remaining to convince you of something that I think you already know deep down. You actually know this on an instinctive level. Rachel touched on it earlier. Elon Musk suspects. Miss Clavel knows it down to her bones. Something is not right. Just as deja vu was a glitch in the Matrix, glitches abound in this absolute charade of a universe. Consider the Mandela effect. This is the phenomenon where large numbers of people inexplicably possess the same false memory, so named because there are many people with independent recollections of Nelson Mandela's death in prison in the 1980s, and no memory of his release and term in office. More widespread still is the simulation wobble in Star Wars. How else to explain the fact that Darth Vader never said, Luke, I am your father? The actual line is, no, I am your father. No, see? Um, people around the world, including me, uh, distinctly remember a kids movie in the 19, in the 90s called Shazam starring Sinbad. You remember that one? Yeah. Not real. Doesn't exist. Look it up. I, it took me, I was shook. It took me six months to process that. So you got a little work ahead of you, but you can get through it. Uh, and most disturbingly, the Monopoly man has no monocle. 
He does have the mustache. Where? Thank you for asking. I will be taking further questions about Monopoly Man. If you have any more, just shout them out. Um, I could be, I could have moved on by several minutes, and I'll still answer the questions. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. History is also littered with these glitches, spooky coincidences, and unexplained phenomena that strain at credulity. Uh, for instance, 14 years before the Titanic sank, a novel called The Futility or The Wreck of the Titan was published, describing the sinking of an unsinkable ocean liner. Both ships were described as the largest and most luxurious of their time. They were both the exact same size and weight. Both sank after hitting an iceberg in the North Atlantic, and neither had enough lifeboats. And in both situations, Rose uh, hogged the floating door till the end. There was the dancing plague of 1518 when a woman in Strasbourg began dancing uncontrollably in the streets. Within a week, dozens of others had joined her, dancing day and night without rest until 400 people were doing so and it lasted for a month. People danced themselves to death and to this day, nobody knows why. In 2019, one in five Americans claimed to have seen a ghost. Five out of five ghosts declined to comment on the grounds that it might incriminate them. Avril Lavigne now does not look anything like Avril Lavigne in the early 2000s, whereas Pharrell hasn't aged a day. <laughs> These glitches are all around us. Our memories falter, proofs can be elusive, but that's not an accident. The simulation is not designed to be discovered by its occupants. Which reminds me, Sam was saying that it is incumbent upon us to prove this is true. It is also a fact that it is impossible to prove that we are not living in a simulation. The burden therefore falls equally. <clears throat> there are many tells beyond the glitches that I've already mentioned. There are concrete provable features of our simulation that betray its true nature. Features too weird not to be evidence of live experiments being conducted by our creators or a perverse malfunction of the system. The Simpsons predicted smartphones, oh, sorry, smartwatches, video chat, uh, the Super Bowl outcome, and a good chunk of the equation of the Higgs boson particle. True. Researchers at the University of Washington have managed to embed a computer virus into physical strands of DNA. Mm. <laughs> yes, I felt queasy too. <laughs> uh, there was the time we started eating some admittedly delicious, um, you know, Tide Pods, you know, the laundry capsules, liquid, laundry, li anyway, uh, there's the dress that no one knew which, which color it was, um, which we don't talk about anymore because it's too upsetting. <laughs> it tore whole communities apart. Um, but that was, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that in, um, the evidence column, um, toilet bowls full of dessert. That's the thing that we're doing. No, really, that's happening. Um, that's like a, anyway, I don't want to be one of these people like, oh, there's a TikTok trend and aren't they weird? Because then I'd sound 80. Um, and I'm not, but I do think it's evidence of the simulation. Uh, and then the greatest mystery of all, unboxing videos. <laughs> like one, what is wrong with this? But two, what's, what's inside? <clears throat> the universe is far too dumb and too weird to be convincing. And you're all too smart for that and hot. I can't tell you who's running the show. That's why you've heard us sort of posit all these different 
scenarios because we don't know. We don't know what's up there. We we know that we're in a simulation, but we can't, you know, of course we can't see to the other side. We're just, we're just telling you what the options are. Uh, you know, are we living in the dream of a benevolent genius, you know, hoping to diminish the suffering of their own kind using the lessons learned from, from this shit show? Uh, or, you know, are we just the science project of a sadistic fifth grader in the year 2062? Consider uh, when you answer that question just privately in your own mind, uh, the fact that there is a, a globally significant company called Google. And let me know whether you think it's a fifth grader or a genius came up with this one. Um, if somehow you do feel resistant to the idea that we do live in a simulation, like, like those opposite us, uh, I would invite you to consider why. Why? Is it just because it's uncomfortable? Is it because you've maybe been paying off debts that don't exist? Maybe you've been doing nice things without telling anyone because you thought God was watching. Maybe it's just too unsettling to agree with Elon Musk. The knowledge that we live in a simulation is a lot to come to terms with, but if you're struggling, I recommend a more sanguine view. Sure, none of this exists. We are made exclusively of ones and zeros and we lack a corporeal form. But in the immortal words of the prophet Morpheus, what is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can taste and see, then real is simply electrical signals being interpreted by your brain whether or not that is on a biological substrate. <clears throat> we still perceive, we still suffer, we still love. We think, therefore we am. <laughs> and isn't it better to know that there is, after all, a higher purpose to our suffering? Because we killed off the dodo, others won't. There's another world out there where they skipped CD technology altogether. In a different layer of reality, someone is taking notes on our collective decision to boil the ocean like a pack of two-minute noodles that we stole from the servo. They're going to learn from those notes. And because 13-year-old me plucked my eyebrows to, like, here, here, and right across, the real me never has to. We do have a purpose, and it's nobler than we could have imagined. We are the crash test dummies for the universe, and crash test dummies save lives. So to you, my fellow Sims, I say relax, enjoy the ride, and keep failing, because with every smartphone screen we smash, every seabed we mine, and every scoop of Sunday we eat from the cistern. We are making the actual world a better place. Thank you. Techno, Optimus, and Shopapia! Are we ready for our final debater for this evening? Yes, our final debater, Lou Walls, a multi-award winning comedian, composer, and content creator. They're a writer and presenter for ABC's What the FAQ, as well as appearing on Fisk, they're currently penning an original musical called Flat Earthers the Musical and recently returned from sellout runs in Edinburgh and the Soho Theatre with their Moosehead awarded show, Lou Wall versus the Internet. Make some noise for Lou Wall!
Hi, my name's Lou, and um, a fortnight ago, I went to an Airbnb in the Blue Mountains, and I was really excited to be there. It was a beautiful little place in the bush, and I ran in, and there was a little table with chocolates, and I ate the chocolates, um, and then there was trail mix, and I ate the trail mix, and then I read the instruction sheet, and I realized I'd just eaten birdseed, <laughs> because I am a fuckwit. Last year, I got the words uh, live, love, ass" tattooed, mm-hmm. which is fucking dumb. But something that is more fucking dumb than that is it took me eight months to realize that I'd spelled ass wrong with three S's. I'm highly susceptible to fake news. I'm considered by my friendship group as most likely to join a cult. <laughs> I use the word slay because TikTok has fried my tiny peanut brain to a crisp. And last night, I attempted to pay for a beer with my Medicare card. <laughs> I was sober. <laughs> as a child, I genuinely thought my name was Dumb Cunt because it's what everyone called me. My name is Lou fucking Wall, and I'm the dumbest cunt alive. A certified bimbo, a self-proclaimed simpleton, a government-authorized beefcake. The proud owner of one single brain cell. I'm the motherfucking mudfish. Mudfish, mudfish. I'm out here like a dumb fish. Lynn manuel is crying. And because I'm a dumb bitch, my existence is living proof that we do not live in a simulation, you see. Suggesting that we live in a simulation implies that someone has created a simulation, uh, a great developer, a mastermind programmer, an architect of the artificial, and I know that someone who is genius enough to make a simulation as complex as the human race is way too smart to make a sim as dumb as me. Now, the affirmative team may argue that my presence in this uh, simulation is just a glitch in the code, a mishap, and while my mum does call me a huge mistake... (laughs) If I am one, then why have I not died yet? Observationally, I am useless. The creator will learn nothing from watching me. And if they are trying to kill me, they're fucking shit at it. (laughs) I've borderline personality disorder. Suicidality is a major symptom. I've tried to yeet yeet skate skate of this mortal coil plenty of times. Let me tell you, if popping a suey is my MO, my modus operandi is dying out. I cannot even die by accident. Two years ago, I ate what I thought was beef jerky. It was a fucking schmacko. Turns out schmackos have malt barley, which I'm highly allergic to. What did I do? Go to the hospital? No. (laughs) I went to the fucking vet. (laughs) The creator has many chances. (laughs) So I'm thinking maybe there could be another explanation, you know? Maybe I'm here for, like, their entertainment. (laughs) It was probably entertaining to watch me get fined for planking in a Woolworths freezer at 15. Or losing six demerit points for driving backwards up a one-way street three times. But I never learn, and the joke gets old. For example, I really uh, like long phone calls. Um, but I piss a lot and I always like, uh, 
uh, turn the phone off, like hang up the call when I go to piss. But recently my bestie was like, you know, you can just like mute yourself and I can keep talking. I was like, oh, that's so genius. So I've taken this into work. Um, But what I realized I've recently been doing for the last five weeks is muting them and shitting in front of my boss. (laughs) Funny at the start, very bleak by the 19th charge. (laughs) Painful even and definitely not entertaining. I serve no purpose to a simulation, therefore we are not living in one. I can't even uh, make a sound argument that we are not living in a simulation because surely a creator, like knowing that my sim is going to be talking to you about a simulation in front of a sim, like it would like give me like a substantially like logical argument about how we're not living in a simulation to double cross and like hold the power of you. I couldn't even get that out because the whole time I was speaking, I was just thinking, oh, sim is short for simulation. Fuck, maybe I am a genius. (laughs) All right, let's just fucking go on a different tack. Uh, lazy writers finish stories with, and then I wrote, and then I woke up. Lazy people think we live in a simulation. It may ease your existential crisis and alleviate your anxiety to believe in the simulation, but I reckon we should just like maybe take responsibility for our actions. Like you didn't drink nine glasses of white wine on a Tuesday and shit yourself. You're just an alcoholic and you have chronic IBS. Grow up, Sharon. Um, those two talked about Occam's razor, and I Googled it just then. <laughs> Um, so yeah, suggest the simplest theory is correct. Um, and it is way more complex to believe, uh, in a simulation. Like imagine the sheer magnitude and like computational power it would take to create something as complex as like the new town polyamorous lesbian scene. <laughs> <laughs> like you're telling me as well, like, uh, you know, why haven't we seen aliens? I fucking have. I walked down King street before 8am. <laughs> Favorite documentaries, E.T. And you so say, you know, the world is like so glitchy, but maybe if the fucking Monopoly man put on his monocle. <laughs> I wrote this one down, but it's kind of cringe, but I'll say it. You say I'm made of binary code, but I identify as non-binary. And finally, you say no one's saying fuck koalas, but 90% of the koala population and 90% of the lesbian population in Sydney have chlamydia, so someone's fucking koalas. Little bestiality joke to finish it off. (laughs) I'm like, I'm so Occam's razor that I thought Occam's razor was like a shaving device for someone called Occam. <laughs> Occam has no five o'clock shadow. We do not live in a simulation. And if we did, they would have used me this morning putting a fork in my toaster to get out a crumpet as a way to kill off my MPC. <laughs> as long as I'm alive, the simulation fails to exist. Long live the mudfish dumpy. Very well. The tallest of them all. All right, there we go. Uh, okay, well, we've heard a lot of things this evening, uh, and I'm going to give you a bit of a summary of what <laughs> what happened uh, this evening. But first, I'm just going to ask the debaters quickly if there's anything they would like to plug so you might leave here tonight and decide you want more of Kevin or koalas or something else. Uh, anyone on the affirmative? Uh, anything you would like to plug? 
Uh, yes, if you do want to know more about quantum uh, physics and mechanics and do yoga poses of the atom so we can be closer to the universe, which is the simulation. Um, uh, yes, I'm taking my quantum comedy to Mel- to Adelaide Fringe Festival uh, on the 20- 21st of February is the first show and to Melbourne International Comedy Festival 27th of March is the first show for that. So I know we're in Sydney and Sydney is a great town and <laughs> Melbourne is a useless, but uh, tell them, tell them to right. come. I mean, I love Melbourne. <laughs> Excellent. And? Uh, yeah, I'm doing uh, my show called Jazz or a Bucket of Blood um, with Jane Watt. It's so literal. You have no idea. <laughs> um, that's it. Mardi Gras. Uh, we're doing one show at Two Queers Comedy Festival. Um, you can find it via my socials. And we're also doing two shows at Melbourne Comedy Festival too. Jazz or a Bucket of Blood. Amazing. Are you going to, oh God, what are you going to plug, Armin? <laughs> well, I'm going to gather make. I don't, by the way, you know, people who believe in simulation are not lazy people. I have a PhD. I'm a doctor. Okay. It was a long path. It was difficult. <laughs> the debate is finished, yeah. Armin. A- by the way. Yeah. It was, these things, probably things that people really like about me. Never happen again. It's just, that's it. <laughs> So you don't want to know what's, what are my plans in the future. Uses to tell you what is happening in the future for Armin. I'm going to go to the negative. Would, uh, do you have any, any gigs you'd like to, to play? Yeah, I do. I'm doing a fundraiser called Help Armin Not Kill Himself. What the <laughs> fuck, dude? You're okay. This has been lovely. Please, you have a bright future. Killing myself is just turning off the simulation. Oh. So. Uh, <laughs> Touche, sir. Um, I have a show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, the Sydney Comedy Festival, and the Perth Comedy Festival called Don't Panic, It's Happened Before. It's all about history and how history constantly repeats itself. Uh, it's I, I love it so much, and I think you really like it. It's I love it. Amazing. Lou? Hello. I have a show called The Bisexual's Lament, and I promise there's no science in it. <laughs> <laughs> Unscientific bisexuality. Are you good, Mark? You're good. All right. Okay. Summary of the debate. Uh, Raina kicked off. Uh, Rachel had me at hello and lost me at Disney references. Uh, science is developing suspiciously fast. I wasn't sure compared to what. Uh, the laws of physics are just the limitation of the computer simulation, calling it lazy design, which did feel like you were tempting fate of our coders. Um, again, when you pointed out that we hadn't met aliens. So I was like, you really, if we do have creators, they're, you, you're annoying them at this point. We moved they took on. my chair away, so, you know, we're even. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. The universe works in mysterious ways. Uh, Mark started by handing out fines, which was unusual. Uh, he decided to debate Armin's arguments from a previous debate. Which is not how debates work. It's not a carryover situation of Kevin. Yep, Kevin, that's right. Uh, He took his shirt off, but I couldn't see why, uh, so I can't comment on this. Uh, He wants life to be meaningful, uh, and meaning for Mark involves running over someone with a trolley. So keep that in mind. Uh, (laughs) Armin... Mentioned we're fucked, simulation or not, which felt adjacent to the topic, really, and launched into a theory about koalas, uh, which was rebuttal-proof because it wasn't <laughs> wasn't clear what he meant. Uh, 
He made it clear he's not here to fuck spiders, but wasn't clear what other animals he wasn't here to fuck. Sam delegated all responsibility to the affirmative to prove we're in a simulation rather than taking up the mantle to prove that we're not demonstrating the laziness Rachel had referred to at the start of the debate. Uh, insisted we didn't bring God into it, then brought God into it. Used the politeness of the affirmative to affirm his arguments, which was a cunning move, I thought, then. Uh, and the, this isn't a simulation because of pedophiles, which gave us all pause for thought, I thought. <laughs> and just pro-Musk, which is interesting. <laughs> you said no defamation. <laughs> uh, and explained that the simulation is here so we can uh, learn to improve things and make them better, which I'm relieved about as someone who's been locked out of PayPal because I changed an email address from the phantom dentist at yahoo.co.uk, which as I grew into an adult felt inappropriate for work applications. And also a phone number. And when I call the people at PayPal, they're like, well, good luck. And that's, so I'm hoping that that is true. Uh, and Shills for the ABC launched a Titanic conspiracy theory uh, pointed out that shit be weird, therefore simulation, and then shoved the burden of proof back on the negative like an unwanted child. Lou centred their argument about Ange's mistakes, uh, countered Ange's argument that our mistakes prove this is a simulation with the argument that our mistakes prove this isn't a simulation, which was the point of the evening that I stopped being able to make any sense of what was going on and we're so glad they made it to the kid tonight given everything that has happened recently and that brings us up to now and now it is over to you if you thought the affirmative convincingly proved that this is a simulation i want you to make some noise and if you thought the negative brought the argument that this is definitely not a simulation or at least we can't prove it is make some noise for the negative do believe the debaters are cheering themselves, which is against the rules. We're going to do it one more time. Make some noise to the affirmative if you thought that was about to change tonight. Or if you thought the negative one. Oh, that's really close. Who do you think won the debate? Okay. We have a uh, someone abstaining. <laughs> what do you reckon? You reckon the affirmative. Okay, we're going to take a vote. Everyone lock the doors. One more round of, of, of cheering and then I'm going to call it. If you thought the affirmative won the debate tonight. Yeah. I can feel your enthusiasm draining out of your body. But the negative won the debate tonight. Yeah. I award the debate tonight to the negative. And round of applause for all of our amazing debaters tonight. Huge thank you to the Factory Theatre for having us here. And a round of applause for you. You've been delightful. Thank you so much for coming along. If you want to keep up uh, with SciFight, we've got a website, scifight.com.au. You can sign up for a newsletter. I will not sell your data to any third parties. Thank you so much for coming tonight. We'll see you soon. Good night. So